Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. If you are here and you're not here uh, as a grandparent or a parent and you're wondering, um, what, is this, what is this day all about? Um, this is what we call our student takeover weekend. Come on, how many of y'all know y'all been on vacation all summer? You've been lollygagging around. You've been at the beach chilling. I just want to say, it's so good to see you back in the house. Can I, can I say, man, I missed you? But I just want to also say, man, thank you so much for taking me on vacation with you. I have followed your vacations. I have been around in the Bahamas with you. I've been in the Caribbeans with you. I've been all over. So thank you for inviting me. It's such a sweet, sweet thing that you did for your pastor. But um, today is special because we have two things that are happening. As you walked into the door, you saw uh, our child sponsorship, which is one of our global partners. Um, we have our child sponsorship uh, day today, but we also have our student takeover today. And the reason why we did that is because we, we believe in this generation. Come on. We call them the now generation. They are the generation that is really going to be stepping up and they're going to be preaching. They're going to be doctors. They're going to be lawyers. They're going to be missionaries. They're going to be doing all of these different things for the gospel. And we want to make sure that we provide a platform so that they can begin to step into their calling, step into their purpose, step into their potential. And so that is what today is all about. And so we have five students who are actually going to be coming up here in just a second. Y'all can come on, come on and make your way up here. We have five students that, um, that really they have a heart. They have a heart for the Lord. And, um, and not only do they have a heart for the Lord, you know, it's easy to just talk about it. But sometimes it's hard to be about it. Come on, listen. You know, like, I, I like to call that jaw jacking. Just talk, 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 but you don't follow it up with your actions. And, um, and these students up here today, man, they, they don't only talk about it, but they live it out. And that is a hard thing to do, especially in uh, high school and, and college years and stuff like that. And so, man, I'm fired up for y'all today. Oh, hey, bro. Uh, fired up for y'all today. And so, come on, can we give it up for the students one more time as they begin to share the message today? Good morning, Revo Church. So if you guys don't know me, my name is Aiden, and I'm a senior at Forest High School. So growing up, I had a lot of interaction with God. I went to Sunday church and vacation Bible school. I knew about God and I believed in him, but I was just a believer. I wasn't a follower, and I didn't live like he lived. For example, I would loathe and sin without even knowing it, and that eventually led to a downward spiral of me just action after action, slowly turning my life upside down. So then that all changed whenever I met Matt Overfill. I don't know if he's in the crowd. Oh, he's back there. <laughs> I started going to his Tuesday night youth groups, which Lane Absher invited me to. And then I just started to learn about God and learn that you have to have a relationship with him. That's the most important part in the foundation of being a Christian. So that changed me from a believer to a follower of Christ. So, and then I'd like to share a verse with everyone that it shocked me because you know how many times we hear the, like the saying, um, follow your heart, your heart knows what's true and what it wants. Well, I have a verse here that says the complete opposite. So Jeremiah 17, nine, the human heart 
is the most deceitful, deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So what does this mean? This means that the flesh does not want good intentions for you. It will succumb to evil and temptation and outside things. But if we put God at the focal and center point of our life, that will all be erased. And we will live in a new way, which I have experienced firsthand. So I want to talk about the story of Daniel and the lion's den. It's a really, really powerful story. And if you haven't heard it, I'll give a little brief summary of it. So Daniel was a young man. He was a Christian young man. But he was taken by the Babylonians. And then they tried and tried and tried to brainwash him. But they couldn't because he stayed true to his Christian roots. So he moved up in ranks. And he was ten times stronger than all of the Babylonians. The strongest. He was ten times stronger than that. But then they couldn't find a flaw with him, but they wanted him gone. So they changed the law that interfered with his religion. So then he was sentenced to death. And as he was thrown into the lion's pit, they were starved. So they were hungry. As he was thrown in there, they did not move for a whole day. They stayed there. despite They were so hungry, but they did not move an inch towards Daniel. And you want to know why? There was an angel that was sent down by God to close the mouths of the lions. And how did this happen? What is the takeaway from this? It's that staying true to the Lord, despite all the outside interactions and opinions, people like, okay, why, don't, why do you do this? Why do you live this way? Why do you follow Jesus Christ? Why do you try to live like him? Staying true to him will always reap the best benefits. An eternity in heaven is better than an eternity in hell. So I encourage you all, if you have not given your life to the Lord, please do, because it's the best decision that I have ever made personally. Thank you. Hi, my name is Gina, and I am 17. Um, I am actually starting my freshman year of college at CF across the street. I'm so stoked. Kind of ish. Um, so I'm actually so blessed to be able to be speaking here at Student Takeover this year because I actually spoke at Student Takeover last year. And as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about like what I spoke about last year and what I'm going to be speaking about this year and kind of just all that's happened in my life between like the last student takeover and this student takeover. And I was thinking about all the good things that have happened and like God has like laid out for me and I have like so many great new friends and I'm in a new env environment and I'm at a new school and I have like new goals in life. I kind of figured out what I want to do this summer with my life. You know, we'll see if that stays the same. Um, so, um, you know, I was like, oh, praise God. Like, he's, all, he's doing all these great things for me. I'm seeing all of it lay out and, you know, work out for me. And then I thought about, like, oh, wait, there was a lot of, like, not so good change that happened within this last year. And I'm like, well, you know, what was, what, like, what, what did I keep asking myself during this change? Like, what encouraged me to be able to see all the good things instead of, like, pondering on the bad things? And I can, like, thought about all the things that I was asking God and praying to God. And, like, one simple question that I was asking God was, why? Why did this happen? 
why did these good things happen? Why did these bad things happen? Why did you have to do this? Why did you take these people from me? Why did you give me these new people? Why did I decide to stay at CF instead of going thousands of miles away? Like, why, 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 why? So I was told this like really encouraging quote um, a while ago. I don't know who told me, but I do remember it. And it said, we can't comprehend God. God does incomprehensible things and we continuously ask ourselves, why? Well, we always ask ourselves like, why can't we comprehend God? Why can't we do comprehend the plan that he has for us? Why can't we know these things? Let's simply, if we could comprehend God, we simply wouldn't need him. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't go to someone that we're on the same playing field with about advice or situations. We would go to someone that is wiser than us, that has you know, you know, better, better envisions for us, that knows more than we do. And that's what we do with God. I mean, he knows more, he knows our plan, and that's why we go to him. We go to him in our hardships and our desperations, and those are the times that we need him the most. And so if he was on the same playing field, we wouldn't, we wouldn't go to him during those times. We wouldn't need to, because we would understand why he's doing these things. And so there's a verse from Job um, 40 to 40, verse two. And it says, you are God's critic, but do not know the answers. We sit there and critique God's plan for us, and we sit there and think, we know, like, God, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to sit there and, you know, take this away from me, or, you know, why did you give me this? I don't need this. And we sit there and critique God, but we don't know the end goal. We don't know the end plan that he has for us. So how are we going to critique the, the things that he does? I mean, how can we critique God's plan, and we don't even know it? And so God, um, God, we always go to him in times of despair, which we should go to him in times of like praise too. I mean, we shouldn't just go to him in just times of despair, we should go to him in praise too. But the times that we do go to him in desperation and you know, during adversities, we always go to him and we like, we rail him and we're like, God, why? Why did you do this? Why did you make this happen? Why did this have to happen? Well, simply, God didn't make those bad things happen. I mean, that's a whole long story and we can't comprehend it, but you know, sin and evil nature is the absence of what God created good. And so God doesn't make bad things happen on purpose, but he gives it a purpose. Let me, let me say that again, okay? God does not make bad things happen on purpose, but he gives it purpose, okay? God makes continuous promise to us in the Bible over and over and over again. There's thousands of promises that God has given to us. And guess what? They're the same today as they were the same time he said it for the first time. God does not change yesterday. He doesn't change today. And he definitely won't change tomorrow. So I have a couple of like amazing promises that God has given to us because I can't stand up here and tell you why God did this to you or why he didn't do this for you. But I can give you a couple of promises that'll help encourage you in your season of why, to help it be more peaceful, to be, help it be an easier time for you to be more connected with God instead of separated from God. So the first one is, when the time is right, the Lord will make it happen, Isaiah 60, 22. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand, John 13, 7. You are going to make it, trust me, Psalms 2, 3. I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will heal you, 2 Kings 2, 5. Remember that I'm always with you until the end of time, Matthew 28, 20. The pain you are feeling now can't compare to the joy that is coming, Romans 8, 18. These are like, if someone came up to me and told me that in a season that I needed to hear it most, 
I'm being honest with y'all, I would probably break down and cry. I would probably not understand why someone is being so good to me in a season where I am pushing away God and not understanding why I'm critiquing him and I'm being mad at him and he's still continuously promising me, I am with you, I have this, this is, this is my plan for you, this isn't your plan, this is my plan. You have to sit there and you have to like have faith in me, you have to trust me. And so I encourage you guys to not just praise him when you have your big breakthrough, when you realize, oh, this is why God did this. This is why I had to go through these hardships. Don't sit there and praise him then. Praise him in your wise season. Praise him in your adversities. Praise him continuously. And I promise you, you will be able to feel him and see him more clearly. You will be able to feel him. Because I know when I'm struggling, I'm like, God, I don't feel you. I don't know why that you're doing this to me because I feel stranded. God is with you, I promise. And it sounds so cliche, everyone says that God is with you, and I promise by it, I swear by it, God is in your corner, I promise. So when you are continuously praising Him, and not just the, in the breakthrough, when the good things happen, and you're praising Him in the why, and your season of why, you'll be able to see Him more clearly. So I leave with you guys today to praise Him and your why season. Even if you aren't in it right now, I promise you, you will be in it eventually. Praise Him now, so when you do get to your breakthrough, it will feel 10 times better because you gave it to God. You gave him your praise. You gave him all your whys and all your worries. And I guarantee you, it'll feel so much better when you do get there. Thank you. Good morning, Revo. How are we doing this morning? All right, my name is Lane Absher. I'm 17 years old, and I'm a senior at Forest High School this year. And this morning, I'm just going to be talking about the story of Job. So I want to go ahead and start off by reading Job 1.1 because it has some good information in there and it's important to understand this to grasp the full story of Job. So Job 1.1 it goes, There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. So he's blameless, man of integrity, feared God and stayed away from evil. In addition to that, he was extremely wealthy. So basically this man's someone we'd be jealous of if he was living in our time. So the story of Job starts off with God calling a meeting with this court of angels and Satan was there. So, and Satan believed that Job only was following God because he had all these great things and had a um, large family, lots of property, lots of money and all these different things. And Job basically makes a, a bet with God and he goes, I bet you that Job will turn from you if you take away all these worldly possessions from him. And God accepts the challenge. So God, God allows Satan to go out and take away everything from him. And Job lives on his life with literally nothing except for his faith in God. And uh, the Bible tells us that setbacks in life are only put in place to make a stronger person and um, allow us to go closer with God. And so Job, later on in the story, Job began to question God. And like Gina was saying, we asked this why question, like, why am I experiencing so much pain? And this is what Job is questioning God on. And his friends come to him with various explanations, like, Job, you probably committed this terrible sin. This is why God's being so mean to you. But Job's like, nah, man, this, that's not why. I don't deserve this. And he ignores them. So um, in the end, Job, um, or God reveals himself to Job and reminds him of how powerful he is. And um, actually, my grandfather just uh, reminded me on this part. And he, he, God started questioning him, like, Job, where were you whenever I was on the cross? And all these type of things. And we also find ourselves in, uh, in that position, like, asking that why question. But really, like, we don't deserve any of this. And um, this humbles Job. 
and Job starts repenting for questioning God and God recognizes his loyalty and God rewards him with double his prior, his prior possessions. So now he's even more extremely wealthy and it's all because he stayed focused on God throughout his dark trials. And this shows that God rewards those who stay true to him through extremely dark trials and in Job's case, seemingly impossible times. And this is a great story because it gives us a lesson on the mystery of God's ways and um, the nature of suffering and it encourages us to stay, um, remain steadfast in our faith. So this whole story kind of leads down to one main question, one essential question, and that is, why does God let bad things happen? And I sat on this question for a minute and the only thing that really came to mind was a simple answer actually, which is if everything was smooth and happy in our lives and we had no struggle, God would have a much lesser meaning in our life because we wouldn't need to go after him or chase after him whenever we're in these dark times. And sure, we'd be, we'd be giving him praise still, but whenever you go through those dark times, and this, is, this relates to earthly relationships too, whenever you go through dark times with people, there's more trust that's built. And whenever you make it to the light in the end, you just have a closer relationship. And so, yeah, so he would have a much lesser meaning in our life if we had no struggles. And Psalms 119.105 encompasses this whenever it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. So God and what he says is basically a guidance in our life. And I want to close this message with one more verse that really sums up the story of Job. And it goes, or it's Job chapter 1 verse 21. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Thank you all for listening. What's up, y'all? My name is Jackson. My name is Jackson, if you don't already know me. Um, I'm the pastor's son here. I have four siblings. I have one brother and three sisters, Charlie, Talon, Ren, and Tallulah. And let me tell you, we lived in a camper for a little bit, and it was a lot. And I love sports. I will play sports all day if I could. I currently play football, basketball, and I run track. And the thing I want to talk to you about today is consistency. One website can find consistency as maintaining your actions and practicing them. Why is consistency so important, you may ask? Well, it instills discipline, sharpens our action, and increases our awareness of what needs to be done. And one of the most consistent basketball players I know of is Kobe Bryant. And if you, if you don't know who he is, then you're lost. <laughs> he trained up to six hours per day. Not six hours, went home, partied all day. Not six hours, went home, ate a bunch of junk, skipped the next day. Six hours, went home, did what needed to be done, went to bed, and woke up and did it all over again. And he was always the first one to show up to the facilities. Sometimes his teammates would try and beat him, but by the time they got there, he, he was already done training and had ice on his knees and was ready to roll out. And he always pushed his teammates to get better. Um, and Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, but how will they call on him to save him unless they, have, unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Have any of y'all ever heard like how you practice how you play? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know about you, but like, I hear it all day, every day. My coaches, like, they'll yell at you if you're jogging. They're like, so how are you going to run in the game, boy? No, coach, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's kind of true. If you fill yourself up with God's word and good news, then you'll be the light in people's world, and you'll speak scripture over people. But if you fill yourself up with bad things, like people, bad influence, um, dance moms, I don't know. <laughs> then you'll most likely be rude to everyone because, like, those moms need some prayer. <laughs> Another thing often used in sports is muscle memory. You'll see this used by mostly every player across all sports. And if you don't know what it is, the definition is the ability to reproduce a particular movement without conscious thought acquired as a result of frequent repetition of that movement. So basically, you're able to complete a task without even thinking about it. Think about it like this. Do you have to consciously breathe in and breathe out? No, it's just something your body automatically does. And we see this in the Bible of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. After he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Do you know how mad I would be? Fasting? Like, if someone gave up, came up to me to give me a compliment, I would yell at them. Like, it's just like that. <laughs> Don't take it personal. Then the evil one came up to him and said, If you are really the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Then Jesus replied, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out the mouth of God. Here you see Jesus used muscle memory. He had been soaking up God's word and speaking it and reciting it so much that when, when time came, he was ready. We should be like Jesus. We should soak up God's word so when the uh, practice, so when game, game day... So when game day comes, we'll be ready for the attacks. In other words, we should soak up God's word as much as we can. We should tell people. We should recite it, all of that. So when the, when the attacks of the enemy come, we're ready. We'll just be like, well, in the beginning, God. We sh uh, so, so if there's two things I want to leave you off with today, it's consistency and muscle memory. Be consistent. When you're consistent, it'll bring muscle memory. And do you want your muscle memory to be what the world has to say, or do you want it to be what God has to say? Hi, my name is Kinley, and I'm going into my sophomore year at CF. Um, um, before I even start off with the title of my message or anything, I want to ask you these like two questions is, have you ever thought this one thing and it's, why does this person have it and I don't? Or why do they have it and I work so hard for it and they, I don't have it? Well, most of the time, it, Matt Overfelt has actually told me this quote and it stuck to me the most. And the quote goes, if it's personal, it's universal. So you're really not alone when you think this. A lot of people actually think this. Um, and the truth is, most of the time you don't mind that this person has it, it's the fact that they have it and you don't. So my title of the message is, How Jealousy Affects Us. And the three ways are, is number one, it destroys relationships. So this tension will build between you and your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, whoever it is you're feeling this resentment or jealousy towards, this tension will begin to build between you and them, and you'll just 
it brings resentment, hatred, and your heart will always be fixated towards jealousy. And then it will cause you not to do one of the main things God calls us to do, which is to love one another, right? God calls us to share the light, be, his, be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? And then the second thing this will lead to, and it's, it leads to you being upset with God. So you begin to question God, wonder why, 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 like Gina was talking about. Why is this happening to me? Why don't I have this when I work hard for it? Why do they have it? And they're living a worldly life. Like I've, there's been plenty of times when I've personally thought this and it's just not a good feeling and you wanna know why, right? And the third thing this will lead to is you begin to turn to worldly things, like I was saying. You, whatever it is, designer items, clothing, luxury items, whatever. Pla I spoke at the last one, said like plastic surgery, like if you're feeling like insecure or um, Botox, like whatever your thing is, whatever you're feeling insecure about, you begin to turn to worldly things, right? And when you compare yourself on social media, it's only negative things, but when you compare yourself to the Bible, it's only encouraging. So, and I have three ways for you guys to fix this feeling of jealousy towards other people. And number one is pray and journal about it as much as you think about it. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So when you bring an unfiltered conversation to God, it begins, it, it feels like this weight has been lifted off of you. He knows what you're think on, thinking already, so you might as well say what is on your mind. He's not an angry God. He just wants to help you and bring this burden off of you, right? So my second thing is begin to instill in your mind that sometimes God doesn't give us our desires because it might ruin us. So if we get everything we want, we'll become spoiled, like spoiled, like you just want everything that this world has to offer rather than seeking God first and receiving what he has for you, right? There will always be someone who has something that you don't have. So you might as well as give God the praise that he has given, like giving God the praise that he, for the things he has given us, right? And besides, feeding the problem will only feed your addiction, right? And you'll just keep turning back to whatever that is, that worldly thing that is filling your heart. And then the third thing is remind yourself that his plan is greater than yours. And the verse I have for you for that is Isaiah 55, eight through nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You need to remind yourself daily, like, yes, like, I might not have this, but God's plan is always greater than your plan. Like Gina was saying, like you begin to beat on God and like beat him down. Like, why am I not having this? Why don't I have this? They have it and I don't, I deserve it. But in reality, like his way and plan is greater than yours. And you need to remember, like, you're not always gonna get what you want. Like, like you would tell a child, you're not always gonna get what you want. Like, <laughs> like it's not, that's not how the real world works. Like you're just like, you get what you deserve, right? <laughs> no, but two personal questions I'm going to leave you to ask yourself is, will you bring your earthly desires to our creator or will you fill those earthly desires? That's all I have. Thanks. Come on. Can we give it up for the students one more time? Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. 
If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at RevoChurchFL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from, because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at RevoChurchFL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever, if it's your best day spiritually.